That was a perfect song to lead into what we're going to talk about today. Um, the blood of Christ. Let me just start out by saying what we're going to talk about today without the blood of Christ is absolutely not possible to do what I'm going to challenge you to do today. Impossible. Completely impossible. Um, before we get started, I just want to uh, throw a little plug in here. Um, I lead a men's class on Sunday mornings, uh, and I don't have it full right now. Uh, so if you're not doing anything at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, guys, I just want to challenge you, invite you to come jump in that class. Uh, maybe you've been to that class a few times and you didn't finish it. Come on back. Come on back. Uh, we've got room. Uh, I will say this. This is one of the best men's studies that I've ever been a part of. Um, I'll even go this far. Uh, the class, the book, it costs 13 bucks, $13. If you come and go through the class and you don't like it, I will give you that $13 back and another $13 out of my own pocket. But that's, that's, I'm serious. But is that good? I am that confident that God will bless you through it. Maybe you're in a dry spell in your life and you're like, you need something. I'm telling you, we're just getting started Come on, 9 o'clock next Sunday morning. Just come on, come as you are. You can come in your pajamas. I don't care. We're laid back. Okay? Uh, but that's that. Um, before we get started, there's some things that, that I know about today, about what we're going to talk about. There's some things that I know for a fact. Okay? One thing that I know before we get started is that God loves everybody in here. I know that God still loves. One thing I know is that God still speaks. Do y'all believe that? Do you believe that God still speaks today? He does. I know that. And listen to this. One thing that I know before we get into this is that God still saves. Okay? Now, we, we live in a crazy world, and we look at these things, and sometimes it's like, is God doing anything? Like, it's a mess out there, right? But listen, God still loves, God still speaks, and God still saves. These are things that I know. I know. So hopefully you know that before we come into this today. Okay? One thing that I know is that God has blessed me through all this. As I've been preparing for this message, God has blessed me in a mighty way. In a mighty way, God has blessed me. He has spoke to me. He has really just kind of messed me up over this. He has spoken to my heart. He has wrecked me. I thought I was doing good in my Christian walk until I started looking at all this scripture. Another thing that I know before we get started is that I think you will be blessed just the same. So my hope and my prayer is that as we look at God's scripture today, that you listen. That you're not just here for whatever reason. We're all here for a lot of different reasons. But I hope and pray that we come expecting God to say something to you. Because I'm going to guarantee that he will. I guarantee it. I guarantee that he will. Now, let me, let me preface the word today a little bit and say this. It's going to be a little bit of a tough word. It's going to be a little tough. 
There could possibly be an area in our life where we're like, we're good. But as soon as we look at God's scripture, we realize, well, maybe I'm not as good as I thought. It's going to be a true word. Not the most popular word. What I'm going to talk about today, you're probably not going to hear at a lot of other churches. It's probably not going on today that way. But I feel very confident that it's the word that God has for us. Sometimes, if I'm honest, sometimes I'll get up here and I'll be like, man, I hope this is what God wants me to say. And I hope for the best. Today, I'm pretty confident. God has really spoke to me and, and let me know that, hey, this is the word. Um, I know this. Listen to this. This is another thing that I know. Some of us in here will hear the word today and you will say, yes, I agree, that's right. And you'll walk out of those doors thinking they needed that. And really it was meant for you. Man, that was a good word. Tommy did a great job, yeah. Yeah, and you'll never apply it to you personally. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. God has a word for you here today. Another thing that I know. Some of us will let our big butts get in the way of the message today. And what I mean by that is, we'll hear what God's word has to say. We'll say, I know that's what the Bible says, but... For me, but in my life, but that, but that's for them. That's not for me. But, 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 but God, do you really mean that? But God, but, but God, could could that be true? We don't need to let our big butts get in the way. We need to just hear what God has to say and say, God, if that's me, do something with it. And another thing that I know. I know without a shadow of a doubt is that somebody in here, other than myself and my family, because this message has greatly affected my family already, but somebody else in here, your life will change because of what God's Word has to say for us. Those are a few things that I know. Um, As we get into the message today, I want the message today to stink. I want it to sting you. Why? Because you remember a good sting, don't you? Anybody ever been stung? Well, God God spoke to me through a sting leading up to this. And what I mean by sting is a hornet sting. I'm I'm being serious. I'm being serious. Okay, so many of you know I, I do landscaping. I'm out in there. I've got uh I've got one property that I manage. It's got probably about five hundred azaleas. They're beautiful. But there's like 500 of them. And they all have to be trimmed by hand. You want them things to look good? You can't take trimmers to them, guys. You've got to hit them by hand. You want them to look good. So I'm in there, and I'm probably about 300 in. You know, it, it took me a week to do it. And I'm about 300 in. I'm snipping, trying to do, you know, get everything looking right. And all of a sudden, um, I got on two shirts. And all of a sudden, bam, I feel it hit me. 
And all I know, and, and I've, I've been doing this long enough that I know that once you get hit, you need to remove yourself from the area that you're in. So I get hit, I look down, all I see is black and white, and I take off about 50 feet. So I'm sitting there trying to figure out what it was. I'm like, man, I, that, was, that was a hornet or something. And then it's, it's still getting me. So then I just on back to the truck. You know what I'm saying? I've been around this enough to know, you know, if they're still with you, you got to get further away. So I get stung, get eat up, it's a hornet. Well, I think it's a hornet. So I gather myself. I'm like, okay, got to be spraying the truck. Take it. Let's go identify the problem here. So I start going down there. Sure enough, I was one foot away from a hornet's nest that I did not see in those bushes. Um, so yeah, it's a hornet. So I go to spraying that, spraying that, and then I'm like, all right, next property. I'm out for the day. Um, so. I get stung, and I go on. Well, the, at the very next day, I'm cutting around my house. I'm going out, and um, long story short, there's another hornet's nest. Well, I hadn't seen one all year. I, didn't, I don't think I seen one last year. I, I was lucky I didn't run into one. And then I saw another hornet's nest. I'm like, well, luckily it didn't get me, but I saw it. So I went to the shop, got some stuff, sprayed, killed that one. And here's what happened because of that. Day one, I get hit. Pop. Got me. Day two, I see another one. So what happens? As I'm finishing going around every tree, every bush, every nook, every cranny, I'm looking for a nest. Like, for two years, three years, I have not thought about a hornet or worried a bit about it. But now, because it's been brought to my attention, hey, hornets are still alive. I am looking everywhere for a hornet's nest. Why? Because I don't want to be stung again. So I'm aware that hornets still exist. And so, honestly, you know, I'm still kind of a little nervous and I'm still looking everywhere I go because it's fresh in my mind. I hope that today's message is just like that hornet sting. That God puts something that we, we know is there. We know it's there. But maybe we've forgotten about it. Maybe it's not fresh on our mind. Maybe we're not looking for it. But maybe we need to get it refreshed in our mind and maybe look for it once again. So I hope that this message is that stinger for us. Today we're going to be in Colossians 3. Colossians 3, if you can turn there. There's a lot of good stuff there. Uh, we're in Colossians 3. I wish uh, that you would go ahead and go back when you get home. Read 1 and 2. 3 is going to make a whole lot more sense. Like We're picking up kind of as, as Paul is shifting gears with what he's saying to the Colossians. He's already kind of laid out a lot of stuff regarding Jesus Christ and what he did and who he is and how that should relate to us. And then we come to Colossians 3. Just like any book, especially in the Bible, it helps if you read what's before it. Um, in your studies, hopefully you're studying the Scripture some, um, that you're seeing what leads up to these Scriptures. M- many of us may know these Scriptures and love Scriptures and like, oh, I love that Scripture. Go back and look and see what's said before it. It tends to make a little bit more sense, right? As with any book. You start in the middle, you miss the first half. Um, So, anyway, Colossians 3, starting in verse 1. 
And it says, if then you were raised with Christ. If then you were raised with Christ. What that lets us know is right off the bat, we've missed some stuff before we start here. If then you were raised with Christ. So what he's doing here is he's talking to those that are already supposed believers. Already supposed believers. Now we've got a pretty good crowd in here. A a decent size. So I don't want to assume. You know what they say about assuming, right? It's dangerous. Okay? So we don't want to assume that everybody knows what it means to be raised with Christ. So just, if if you'll just hold tight right there. I just want to read some scripture to you before we move on a little bit further. I want to read Romans 10, 9 through 13. For those of you that don't know what it is to be a believer, to really know Christ, this is how. This is how you know. This is how you are raised. This must take place before you can be raised. So before anything that we talk about next, this has to happen. Romans 10, 9. says that if you confess with your mouth that Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. One is saved. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is over, is over all, is rich, and to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So for you that may be out here, that may be searching, that maybe you don't know, maybe you don't know where you're at with God, what does it say? What Simply, and and honestly we could spend all day on this, we could probably spend a whole month on it, but we don't have time for that, I want to get get to the other scripture. But, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Now now believe, there's a lot that goes into belief. Repentance. There's, there's a lot. There's, there's, there's life change. There's, there's turning from what used to be. There's godly sorrow that goes into belief. But once you have that repentance, and once you have that godly sorrow that leads to repentance, repentance is simply turning from that way. Once you have that, and you confess with your mouth, yes, Jesus is Lord. That's when we can start in Colossians three. That's when you are raised up. Okay, if you have any questions on that scripture right there at the end, we got some people down here that'd be great to explain it to you. Okay, but that must happen. So, so Paul is already addressing people that have that have made that they they have they they have had that godly sorrow. They have repented. They have believed on Christ and who He is. So we're back in Colossians one, three one. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting on the right hand of God. Set your mind on things not on, above, not on things of earth. For you died, and your life is hidden in, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. 
There's a lot of facts there about the theology, about how God works, how God operates, how God saves, what happens when he saves. There's a lot there. We're going to scratch the surface of a lot of them, and we're just going to kind of pinball around those four scriptures real quick. Then we're going to hit five real quick on our way out, and then we're done. Okay? So, so we're going to try to speedily, very speedily go through this. So, first thing that we need to realize is that we, the person that is a believer, the Christian, the true Christian, the true believer... We died with Christ. What does that mean? What does that mean? We died with Christ. Upon becoming a believer, a death happened. You are dead now to sin. Why? Because Christ overcame sin. He beat it down. You know what I'm saying? Anybody ever seen somebody get beat down? That's what Christ did to sin. He beat it down. And because we are believers in him... We are dead to that sin. We have died with Christ. So with that, with all of what Christ did, it, it encompasses the believer. The one, in verse 3, it talks, we died with Christ. Verse 4, is, we live in Christ. Because we died, we are reborn. Because we died to that sin, we are reborn. So now we live, and we can live, and we can live abundantly in Christ, is what Paul is saying. So it's, it's just like what Tammy talked about, the blood. Once we have that blood, and we accept that blood payment, then and only then can we overcome the obstacles of sin and everything that goes with it. Only then. We live in Christ. Verse 1, it talks, it starts as if then we are raised with Christ. See, Christ died, right? It's just like the song said. He died and then three days later, praise God, he got up. He got up. And because he got up, we can get up. Because of everything that Christ did, we can do these crazy things now. He got up so we can get up. We are raised with Christ now. Praise God, we're raised. We're, we don't have to stay dead. We don't have to die. We're raised with Christ. Praise God. Next step. Uh, and honestly, we could do a sermon on each one of these, but we're not. Um, we are hidden in Christ. What does that mean? We're hidden in Christ. There's a few different meanings there. world out there does not know him and it comes against us if we're living for Christ we're living counterculture but we don't have to be scared by that guys why because we're hidden in Christ he is our supreme protector that's we're hidden we're hidden from that world we can unapologetically and boldly proclaim the gospel and live like Christ calls us to, unashamed. Why? Because we're hidden in him. Sometimes it seems hard. Like it's, Anybody ever felt like it's hard to be a Christian? We make it too hard. We make it too hard. Christ hides us. He's got us. He's got everything under control. 
Lastly, we are glorified, or we will be glorified. Uh, when Paul speaks this, it hasn't happened yet. We haven't been glorified, but he speaks it in, in, in the tense as if it's already happened. We have been glorified. We have been glorified in Christ. He's already won, guys. We've already won for those that are raised. Those that have died in him and live in him and are hidden in him. It's already happened, guys. Why are we living like we're in a life of defeat? Why are we getting beat down by the world? Why are we letting things, some of the things we're about to discuss, bring us down? We don't have to. That blood was enough, guys. Y'all hear me? Y'all hear me? It's enough. We're living our lives like it's not enough, but guys, it's enough. God still loves us. God still saves. God still speaks. See, here's the thing. We're letting stuff get in our life that hold us down and hold us back. And we're not living the life that God has called us to live. What are some of those things? We're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about them. You see, okay, we're about to move forward on into a few points. So, we pointed out in, in verses 1, 3, and 4 that, that we died in Christ, we lived in Christ, we're raised in Christ, we're hidden in Christ, and we're glorified, glorified in Christ. Well, next, so now we know that, for the believer, that has happened. So now that calls us to some certain actions. Okay? Now it's time for us to listen. Let's get our ears open, our eyes open, where we can hear and hear what we are to do. So if this thing has happened, if then, as Paul said, you are raised, now do this. Look there in verse 1. If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand. Verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. See, there's two things right there that we need to do, and and they're different. They sound a lot the same, but they're different. Seek those things which are above. Okay, that requires action. It it really requires physical action. We're actually, in our lives, we're going to seek out. We're going, we're moving, we're doing, we're doing these things. We're serving God, We're, we're, we're giving to missions, we're going on missions. We're doing these things. We're seeking We're seeking what? The things that are above, the things that that Christ talks about, that God implores us to do and be. We're seeking. Okay, that's physical action. Next, it requires our mental and and our, our mental focus. Set your minds on things that are above and not earthly. Y'all hear that? Set your mind on things that are above and not earthly. Too often, guys... We're worried about stuff that's right in front of us. That's what we think about. That's all we think about. We, we're, we're not even thinking about heavenly things. Where Christ is, we're worried about what's right in front of us. We're worried about the ridicule that we may get from work for sharing the gospel. We're worried about... Truth be told... A lot of times we're not really worried about anything. We're just doing our thing. 
We're not seeking the things that are above, and we're certainly not setting our minds on it. Those are two things that we need to do. Now we're about to get into the meat, guys. About to get into the meat of it. Verse 5. Verse 5 says, Therefore, anytime you see a therefore or a but, it's like we're switching gears. You know what I'm saying? It's like we're, we're in first gear and now we're jumping into second. Therefore, so there's a slight pause. Therefore, because of these things that Paul just said, that, that God said through Paul, therefore, put to death, there's the next action that we take. Put to death. What? Your members which are on the earth. And they go by the names of fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, covetousness. That's a tough one for me. I get tongue-tied. Y'all know what I'm saying. It's greed. Let's just call it greed. Which is idolatry. Which is idolatry. Now, probably as you first hear that list, it sounds like Paul's just listing some stuff. And it is. He's talking about put these things to death. Fornication. Uncleanness. Evil passions. Evil desires. Covetousness. And idolatry. But let's look at something. If you go deeper into that list, you'll see that there's a cycle. You'll see that there's a sequence to what goes on, and that's what I want us to get to, is I want us to get to the heart of the sin. Fornication. What is fornication? Well, it's sexual sin. It's sexual immorality. I'm going to break down sexual immorality, because in this day and time, it's hard to tell, right? Um, Sexual immorality is this, according to the Scripture. Any kind of sexual activity or lust outside of a man and a woman that is married. Anything outside of that, God calls sexual immorality. He calls it fornication. Are we clear? Like we, we, we understand what that is, right? I don't need to, we don't have a lot of time. We don't need to go further on that. That's fornication. Okay, so... So that's the, the act. Fornication, once fornication is committed, that's the act of, we all know. I'm not going to go into details there. Fornication. All right. So next up, uncleanness. Impurity. Impurity, that's the act. That's not quite the act, but maybe it's preparing for the act. It's those dirty, dirty thoughts. Those dirty actions. It may not be the act, but maybe it's watching the act on TV or online or somewhere. That's the uncleanness. That's the impurity. So it's not the act. So we're working backwards. So the act is bad. And then the preparation for the act is bad. The thinking, the the research of the bad act, the everything. What comes next? The act, and then we go to the uncleanness, and then the passion. The passion is maybe not doing it, but man, we won't. We're curious about it. What is that? We're thinking about it. 
And we're thinking about it and we want it. There's passion there for it. Take another step back. Evil desire is where it starts. You hear about it. Catch a glimpse of it. And you're like, hmm. Hmm. I might like that. I know God says not to do it, but hmm, I don't know. And then comes the covetousness. The greed. That's where you get a little deeper down in the soul. And then it's like, I want something that I don't have. That's, that's what covetousness is. It's, it's greed. It's wanting something that you don't have. Always wanting more. Not content with what you have. Not content with God's enough. Not content with my wife's enough. Not content with my relationship with my Whoever I'm in a relationship is enough. I, I want more. Read more, more, more. And then, hold on, guys. We're going to get right into the sin. This, all that stuff is sin, but where does that sin go from? Where does it come from? you got to look at the cycle. Look at the sequence. We started with the act, and we're working backwards. We want it, the greed, and then here's the sin. Here's what we have wrong in our lives, guys. Ah. Idolatry. What is idolatry? Is that bowing down to a monkey? Is that uh, the golden calf? Is that getting down and worshiping? Y'all remember, uh, what was it? Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Indiana Jones, he outruns that big ball. and So he got that thing. Anybody seen Indiana Jones? Nobody? It's whatever. Um, It's that idol. No, idolatry is this. It's anything in our life that we exalt above the one true God. And we've got to understand what idolatry is. It's that tricky sin, guys. It's that beasting that we need to realize it might be in our lives. Because where does the fornication come from? We see the sequence. We see the cycle. It starts with idolatry. This is more important than God. Dangerous. So dangerous, listen to me, so dangerous that God, when he was speaking to Moses, the very first thing he put on that tablet was, you should have no gods before me. Number one. Number one. No gods before me. What's he saying? Nothing in your life is more important than me. Nothing in your life gets more time than me. Nothing gets more thought than me. Do we get it? Idolatry. Why do we why do we struggle? Why do we get bogged down? Why are we in such a struggle with our Christian walk? Why are our churches not in perfect great shape? Guys, it's because we have idols in our life. Everybody in here does. Why have I been blessed by this message? Because God has revealed so many idols that I put before him. And here in just a second, we're going to look at some that may be what you do. You see, when, when the Israelites were going to 
the promised land. God has taken them up out of bondage, out of Egypt. He's leading them. They send in the spies, and the spies come back and say, Guys, milk and honey. This is the place. Yeah, there's some big people, and they got some armies and stuff like that. But guys, milk and honey. We're talking about grapes. Two men can't even carry these clusters of grapes. Like, it is nice. And all the people heard was, what, you mean there's giants? You mean, God, God said he was going to give it to us and he would take care of all that. But there's giants that, that, that we got to deal with? Eh, I don't know. I don't know. So they go off into the wilderness. And in that, they still, they struggled with some stuff. But for the most part, they depended on God. For the most part. Everybody struggles. But they depended on God. So God, they go through the wilderness, whatever, 40 years. They cross over Jordan. They go into the promised land. And you know what happens? They do exactly like we do. We quit depending on God and we start looking for our idols. As soon as they got into Canaan, what did they start doing? They started worshiping Baal or the Baals. They started worshiping these idols and, and doing everything. And, and back in the day, most idols and, and idol worship, it, it centered around sex. And a lot's changed, hasn't it? That's sarcasm. N- no, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. See, we only want to worship the true God when we're in the wilderness. Once we get the bad diagnosis, once so-and-so does this, once we lose our job, once we fill in the blank, then, oh God, the one true God, I, I worship you, you are awesome, you are, you are mighty, you are all-powerful. Last week, you were worshiping numerous idols, just like Israel. Only when we're in the wilderness. You see what idolatry is? It's disordered love or disordered passions. See, we can have good things become our idols. Most of the time, it is good things that we put in front of God. But God said, commandment number one, you're to have no other gods before me. And if you do, if you were the one that's raised and you've died with Christ and you live with Christ and you're hidden with Christ, if that's you, God says you are to have no other gods before me. We can't forget that. The idol can be good things. We'll get into the list here in just a second. But see, when we have sin in our life, we've got to do something with it. If God reveals something to you today that may be sin in your life, you've got to deal with it, and there's a certain way that you deal with it. Listen to what Jesus says. Uh, this is the uh, start of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, check it out. But he's talking about adultery uh, and everything. He's talking about, it. we'll just say sin in general, but specifically he's talking about adultery. Um, but he says in verse 29, he says, If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right eye, or yeah, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Cast it out from you. We've heard that. What is Jesus talking about? Does he want you to cut your... If you struggle with lust, is Jesus saying to pluck your eyes out? Well, no. 
Not really. He's not saying do that. But he's saying if God reveals sin to you, you deal with it, and you deal with it in a drastic way. Chopping off a hand, plucking out an eye, that's pretty drastic. That's what Christ is saying. If you, if God says, hey, you, you've got idols in your life, deal with it. And deal with it drastically. Deal with it drastically. Now we're going to talk about how to deal with it in just a second. I, I promise I'm hurrying us. You deal drastically. Let's just go ahead and look at some things that, that might be bogging us down. We're going to do these things and then we're going to finish up for today. Idols can be good things, but they get in the wrong order. We love our families. Should we love our families? Should we serve our families? Should we love our kids? Should we love our spouses? Certainly. Do we put them above the one true God? Do you put them above the one true God? Listen to what Jesus says. In Matthew, he talks about, you want to be my disciple? Hate your mother. Hate your father. What? Jesus wants me to hate? No. But in comparison, in the way that the love and the passion is ordered, Christ is first. Then comes family. Then comes kids. Then come wives. Are you putting your family, your kids? Look, I love my boys. And God has, has shown me this week that I love them and my wife probably more than I love him. And God says, Tommy, that is sin. I don't like it. I don't like for God to say that. But if I'm going to believe Scripture, that is true. And it's true for you too. It's an idol. You broke commandment number one. You couldn't even make it to two. Listen to this one, guys. Church. Buck Creek Baptist Church. Well, Kenny asked me if I want to do that, and I ain't going to let Kenny down. Uh, I'm, I'm going I'm to serve wherever it is. Are you exalting church above the one we're here to worship? That's what the Pharisees did. Put their religion ahead of the one true God. And what did God think about that? It's an idol, guys. Is it is church in front of God? What about religion? What about your study of religion? What about this? Well, I'm going to do this. What about the, the legalism that, that religion plays? Is it more important to you than the one true God? Because if it is, and for some it is, an idol. And God would say that that's sin. What about stuff? Just stuff. Anybody get bogged down with just wanting stuff? More stuff? I do. Right now. I got, a, I got an old truck. I want to get that thing fixed up. I've been wanting to get it fixed up for years. And 
as I was doing this, I'm looking up parts on it. I'm looking, I'm dreaming. I want to get this paint gob on it. I want these rims on it. I want the motor to sound like this. It's going to have this exhaust. And you know what I've done? It's become an idol. Stuff. How much of us, all of our thoughts and all of our actions and all of our search history and everything that we look up is for stuff. What do we think about? We're working to get that bigger house. We're working to get that nicer car. We're working to get this. We're thinking about this. It consumes us. I want to read some lyrics to a song from a band that I like. And you tell me if it resonates with our love for stuff. Because I am sick with wanting. And it's evil and it's daunting. How I like everything I cherish laid to waste. I am lost in greed. This time it's definitely me. I point fingers, but there's no one there to blame. I am sick with wanting. And it's evil how it's got me. And every day is worse than the one before. The more I have, the more I think I'm almost where I need to be. If only I could get a little more. Something has me. Oh, something has me acting like someone I don't want to be. Something has me. Oh, something has me acting like someone I know isn't me. Ill with want and poisoned by this ugly greed. Temporary is my time. Ain't nothing on this world that's mine except the will I find to carry on. It's talking about wanting. God's saying here that our wanting, our wanting and our constant, endless wanting and wanting more, more is sin. It's idolatry. I could stand up here and talk for another three hours about the stuff that I want. And God has told me it's wrong. And it's wrong for you. And we're putting the stuff in front of God. How terrible is that? We've been raised. We have died and lived with Christ. And we fill our time, our energy, and our money with just stuff. It's been a hard pill for me to swallow. And hopefully you're choking on it a little bit too. Just stuff. We just add stuff and stuff. It's just like the scripture talks. And then we need bigger barns to pour more stuff in. We've all got so much stuff. Is it wrong to have that much stuff? Maybe. Talk to God about it. Some of us, that's all we think about. It's all we want to look at. It's all we see on TV. It's all we hear about. And it consumes our minds, just like it has since the beginning of time. And maybe it's good sex. Maybe it's righteous within marriage sex. But if you're thinking about it too much time and you're working too much, and for that, 
that's above God is an idol. Is that you? About leisure. Our leisure can all be different. We all have different interests. We all have different things. And I'm not, (laughs) I'm just throwing out examples here. Did you spend more on that gun or that boat or whatever than you would ever give to church at one time? Did you go get a loan that you would pay back over 10 years just so you could have that toy for your leisure activity and you would never even dream of giving that to God? The indicator that it may be an idol. In leisure, we know what leisure is. It can cover numerous things. What about experiences? Some of us, we just chase an experience. We want, we want to be entertained. We want to go. We want to see. We want to go to a vacation here, 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 here. And we think about it. That's all we think about. i winding down on me. I can tell. I'm, I'm hurrying. What about status? I want people to think of me. And every thought that you have and every dollar that you spend is making sure that people think highly of you. For some people, that's their number one idol. What about our talents? We spend all of our time, we spend all of our time chasing this talent that we have. It can be singing, it can be playing baseball, it can be fishing, it can be whatever. We're good at this, and I'm going to put all my time into this. Yeah, God, but, but I'll get back to you. Right now I'm practicing. Right now I'm working on this. God, you give me this talent. I need to, I need to invest in this talent. Not you. But our looks. How much money and time do people spend going to the gym? How much money and time do people spend putting on makeup, getting their hair done? Having these clothes. Those aren't necessarily bad things, but when they become elevated above God, they're idols. And it's sin. How much do we worry about what we look like? Just self. We elevate ourself and all that encompasses that above God. Worried about me, not about the heavenly thing. Not about what God would have me to do. Some of us worship power. Some of us, we might be the boss man. And we just, we love it. And we love telling people what to do. And we do everything we can to never lose that. So we can be in control. An idol. Or it can be. Some of us spend an immense amount of time in front of the TV. And we can't pick our Bible up. Idol. About the metal, guys. I'm about the metal. About the metal. Can this thing be an idol? Can you go out to eat without seeing everybody? And I'd eat just the other night. Man and a couple was out. I, I never saw them speak one word to each other. I think their fingers gonna fly off. Anybody do that? Don't lie. Y'all do it. Y'all do it. I'm guilty. Me and my wife, we argue sometimes over, get off the phone. It's the phone, guys. And we're teaching our kids. We're, we're letting the kids grow up. 
And uh, five-year-olds, do, 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 do. Twelve-year-olds, do, 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 do. It's, it's a fall. And we worship it. Listen to this, social media. I, I, ain't going, I, ain't, I ain't got time to really get started on social media. But let me just tell you about a statistic that I read. The average social media user, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, any other ones that I'm missing, those are the big ones. The average social media user is on it for two hours and 22 minutes a day. Now, you might not be that bad. Let's say you're just an hour and a half. In your Bible, an hour and a half? Pray an hour and a half? That's average. Some people are on it more. But, but, but Tommy, I, I do business on here. But, 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 Tommy, I'm just checking to see how so-and-so is. Not bad things. Is it above God? That's all I'm asking. Social media, ain't, I'm not saying it's bad. I, I think there's a lot of bad to it, but I ain't got time to get into that. But, but how much time are you using it? I, I, don't, I, I personally, I don't do social media. We can talk about that later. But you know what I still do? I find myself, I'm checking ESPN 100 times a day. I'm checking the news. I like to read the news. I like to see all the crazy crap that's going on, stuff that's going on. And we'll say, Tommy, what are you looking at? I'll say, nothing important, babe. Because it's not, but I still keep doing it. Guys, we got a problem. Why is God not just all up in our life and bless us? Because we got idols. We've got idols, guys. We've got to realize this. You see, we... We, we look at the idols back in the day. you got Moloch and everything like that. And you read through the Bibles. And you've got these people. And, and they're sacrificing their kids. You're like, Tommy, I would never. I would never do that. Like, they're killing their kids. They're slitting throats. They're putting them in bags and suffocating them and everything. You just read it. It's crazy. So they're doing this to these idols. Tommy, I would never do that. I would never worship an idol like that. But let me tell you what you will do. You'll spend all weekend working. That little boy, that little girl needs... Mama there. needs daddy there. You'll spend all the time on that phone flipping around. Searching, looking, shopping, whatever. That little boy, that little girl needs daddy. or Mama there. Don't tell me you won't sacrifice your kids. Don't tell me I won't sacrifice my kids. Idols. What about money? Anybody worship money? Ain't worship God. Mammon's what Jesus said. What is mammon? It's greed. It's the love of money. Anybody want just some more so you can get some more stuff? Anybody want to take that extra job just so you can get some more stuff? Anybody want to do that one more job that way you can get the nicer truck or do that addition? I want, I want to do an addition on my house. What am I going to sacrifice to get it? Is it going to be my idol? Is it going to be your idol? Love of money. Anybody there? Anybody there? Take this home with you. It's good stuff. You want, me, you want me to prove that you have idols? All I need you to do is come down here. I, I need you to bring me your bank statement. Let me look at the condition of your Bible. And I want your phone so I can look at your search history. And I'll tell you what your idol is. I'll do it free of charge. I don't know. I got idols. I might make a little money off of it.
Here's the deal, guys. If you were raised with Christ, if you died with Christ, if you live with Christ, put to death these things that all start with idolatry. Put to death these things. I'm going to read one more verse. I'm going to tell you what to do about your idolatry, and then we go in. Ain't too bad. Titus 1.16 says, They profess to know God. They profess to know God. But in works, they deny Him. Being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. They profess to know God. But in their works, and in their actions, and what they do, and how much time they spend on their phone, how much time they're shopping, how much time they're doing this, how much time they're Facebooking, they deny Him. Y'all stand up with me. Finishing up. What do you do? Is that you? Are you the one denying him? What do you do? If then you were raised, if you claim to be a believer, what do I do? If God has realized, hey, you have idols, repent. You repent. Simple as that, Tommy? Simple as that. If God has showed you that you're elevating your wife, your kids, your job, your money, your love of stuff, your love of doing this, your Facebook time, your whatever, if God has shown you that you elevate that above God, repent. You purpose in your heart and you confess with your mouth to God, God, help me, I want to try to do better. I want to try to turn, repent is turn. I want to turn from pursuing this, God, and I want to pursue you. If God has spoken to you, you have a chance right now to come right down to this altar and repent. 